Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, Senior Editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for a very special episode of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning podcast. Why is it special? Because it's the next one. I guess if you're like Mike Tomlin, you know it's a big game because it's the next one and because we're in it. That's right. I feel like every single one of my Let's Ride podcasts is special. I appreciate every single listener out there. My ride or die crew is the absolute best. We're going to get into the mailbag. Today's podcast is a little bit different for a Wednesday hump day. It is really different because this is the week that the Steelers play on Thursday night. And when that happens, well, everything gets kind of thrown out of whack. As an example, I did an injury report podcast yesterday, and I think I said the wrong day at least three or four times in the course of five minutes. I said, it's Wednesday. It wasn't Wednesday. It's it's Thursday. No, it's Tuesday. I, I don't even know what day it is anymore. Nonetheless, I do know it's Wednesday, and we have a lot to cover. Because the Steelers play on Thursday night, we are going to talk about what the Steelers need to do to win. We're going to go look back quickly before we do that at the goals that we set for the Steelers going into that Week 13 game against the Baltimore Ravens. And then we're going to do the mailbag. And in the second half, I have Michael Beck on, Blue Check Beck. He is here to talk about the game last week, some NFL picks. I'm not doing a heart-to-heart. I'm going to hold the heart-to-heart until Friday. It's always how I finish the week, so you're not going to hear a heart-to-heart at the end of this podcast, but make sure you stay through all of this because I think it'll be a great show. So let's get this thing started off with what the Steelers need to do to win. Now, I feel like we all are in this position where the Steelers come off this riveting, huge win at Heinz Field in Week 13, 20-19, crazy finish, and now all of a sudden we all are we, we can't say we can't enjoy it. We don't have we don't have any time. We're now having to turn the page so fast. And I'm talking about a team in the Minnesota Vikings, an NFC North opponent. Steelers playing once every four years. Other than the household names, I don't know hardly anything about this team. So in the mailbag, if someone were to ask me some intricate question about the Vikings, I'm gonna say like I look, I don't know much about this team. You know, this isn't 2019 when the Steelers' Thursday night game was against the Cleveland Browns. You know them very well. But this is totally abnormal, totally different, and it's very challenging. But before we go about what the Steelers need to do this week to win the game, let's talk about what happened last week and if we were spot on in the keys to success. Key to offense. Here's what I wrote. They had to protect the football. Ding, 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 ding. That's right. The Steelers did not turn the ball over. That was huge. That was a huge point in the game where... There were a couple passes. One did get intercepted, but the defensive pass interference nullified it. So good job, Steelers. Next, slaying the rock. You know, I thought that this was setting up with the Baltimore Ravens being the 32nd ranked pass defense in the NFL. I thought for sure this was a game where Roethlisberger would have, you know, about 50 pass attempts. It didn't happen. He threw it 31 times, um, but they did throw it enough. So I'll give him a ding, 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 ding. I'll give him a success there because they they threw it well. He was very efficient with the football. So the last one is convert. They were close to 500 on third down conversions. Red zone was a little bit better. Well, couldn't get any worse than week 12 when they got shellacked by the Bengals. But still, I'll give him the old ding, 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 ding that they did that as well. Defensively, I would at least try to stop the run. They did. They did a great job. Ding, 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 ding. They did a good job, the defense on Lamar Jackson. 
containing him. He was the leading rusher for the uh, Ravens. I think that was huge. When you don't have a running back, whether it's Freeman or Murray, whoever else they have there now with they're on like their seventh string running backs. Uh, when they are not the ones that are breaking loose, that's a good thing. Uh, they did a good job against the run, at least much better than they had been. The next was Minka Magic. Ding, 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 ding. I said this after he had the interception of Joe Burrow against the Bengals. Maybe that was the play that would kind of spark some turnovers for Minka. He gets another pick against Baltimore, and now you're wondering, is this going to be a trend? Can he continue to get his hands on the football Going against Minnesota, they don't turn the ball over a ton. Kirk Cousins, we'll see. Lastly, tee off on Lamar. They did that. Ding, 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 ding. They did a great job on hitting Lamar Jackson. Now, there were a couple spots in that game. Arthur Millette had one, and I tweeted about this. I said, Arthur Millette was in chase mode. So Lamar Jackson had gotten around the edge. Uh, Arthur Millette clears his block, and he's, he's trailing the play. And Lamar Jackson makes a, he basically stops on a dime, cuts to his right, and he has no idea that Millette's behind him. And Millette has an opportunity to absolutely decleat Lamar Jackson. And he can do it legally. And he could probably cause a fumble. And he didn't. He hit him, and he went down. But it wasn't what it could be, at least not in my mind's eye. And so because of that, that was just one play. But my goodness, they sacked him seven times. They were harassing him. The offensive line just could not keep the Steelers' pass rush away, whether it was Chris Wormley, TJ Watt. Uh, Those two were just feasting on their matchups. So good job. So, hey, we got it. We got it last week. Uh, I always say we. It's me. I, but I feel like you're a part of this, and so we got it. We got him right. Let's look about this week at Minnesota, week 14, Thursday night football. Uh, offensively, I think that balance is important. Last week I said sling the rock. They need to establish the running game. I think this is a game where if they can, on the road, short week, can they grind it out? I'm not saying they need to be run heavy, but a little bit more balance would be awesome. Next, ride the wave of momentum. The Steelers, especially offensively after scoring 17 fourth-quarter points, have to be ecstatic with where they are right now heading into Week 14. Can they continue to ride that wave of momentum? And that is not saying or suggesting even that they go out there and try to do the same exact thing because it just doesn't work that way. But finding ways to move the football and not having to wait till the fourth quarter would be great. Lastly on offense, don't turn it over. They did a good job against Baltimore. They need to duplicate that success by not turning the ball over again against Minnesota. You just cannot do that in key spots, especially when you are talking about, again, on the road, short week, primetime game. You need to protect the rock. Let's go to the defensive side. Stop the run. Dalvin Cook, now that, that when this is coming out, we don't know the final Wednesday designation. He was not, did not practice in the estimated practice on Monday. Tuesday was limited. I'm not so sure if this is he, he's actually going to be back because a lot of people t- said that they did not think he would be able to play with a shoulder injury. Uh, but now maybe it's Zimmer just kind of messing with the Steelers a little bit. We'll see. But if he's able to play, then that's going to be a much bigger challenge than if he weren't. Nonetheless, the Steelers need to slow down the run duplicate the success they had against the run versus Baltimore, really do a good job. Maybe Adams, the, the the new guy in the middle, the nose tackle, will make a big difference. We'll see. Next one, slow down Justin Jefferson. 
You had to slow down Jefferson. It's not a player that you're going to be able to just take out of the game. Now, they're fortunate that they're not going to have to deal with. The secondary is not going to have to deal with Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen has a high ankle sprain unless it's the lowest grade ever of a high ankle sprain. I think it's safe to say that Thielen's probably out of the game. But nonetheless, they need to slow him down. It's just we said the same thing with, with Stefan Diggs in week one. We said the same thing with Jamar Chase at times. We've said the same thing with numerous receivers, and this is just the next one on the list. You you know he's going to get his catches. You just can't let him kill you. And so it would be great to have Joe Hayden in this game. Doesn't look like they're going to have Joe Hayden in this game, but still they have to slow down Justin Jefferson. And the last one is harass Cousins, Kirk Cousins. you got to get to him, and if you're not bringing him down, you got to hit him. you got to hit him early. And you got to hit him often. You got to make him think every single time he drops back to pass. Oh my gosh, is TJ Watt going to be right in my ear hole? Or is he going to be coming out from behind me and causing a forced fumble? That's what they need to do. I'd love to see Cam Hayward, especially, really get going. All right, <clears throat> let's get to the mailbag. Not a lot of time now. I feel like the Ride or Die crew is kind of on, on a short week as well. They didn't give me as many questions as before. But when I don't have as much time, because I know that the, the blue check back segment normally goes long, uh, it's okay. I'm going to forgive you this time, but after that little, little mini bye week, I expect a full allotment of questions for the rest of the season. Okay, MDivs24 says, Do you think that Ben's after Ben's retirement statements, he has decided to throw caution into the wind and go for broke? He seemed much more like himself against Baltimore than a veteran who's trying to please his new OC. I could see both sides of this M dibs to be honest with you uh, I, I see him maybe being a little bit more demonstrative in his how he carries himself and his demeanor I could also see though that he's still running Canada's offense and that's good to see he's still doing the RPOs he's still sticking with the run he's not abandoning things and just willy-nilly column plays at the line of scrimmage but I do think that there's a point where if Roethlisberger sees the writing on the wall and says you know what look this is it yeah if, if that's how you got to win, it's how you got to win. You know, if, if he, you know, he always calls saying, you know, I'm a gunslinger, and then a gunslinger goes down, guns a blazing. And so if that's what Ben Roethlisberger's doing, that's what he's doing. All right, the last time believing in this team, <laughs> he changes it every week. I love it. For the past two weeks, this offense comes alive in the fourth quarter. They can run the ball, throw it downfield, et cetera. Can you or anyone else at BTSC confirm whether it is something the offense is doing? or if it is something opposing defenses are doing. Thanks, as usual. Hashtag Ryder Die Crew. Okay, I know that in the fourth quarter against Baltimore, injuries started to really take their toll on the Ravens' secondary. And that's one of the reasons why Harbaugh said he went for the uh, two-point conversion rather than just kicking the extra point and going to overtime. He said he did they were out. Marlon Humphrey was out. They've had other other cornerbacks out, and so he. I think that's some of the success the Steelers had. They realized they had really good matchups, and they were exploiting them. Now you look at like the Chargers. I feel like the Chargers they they didn't have a good defense anyways, and the Steelers eventually got to that point where they're just like, look, we got to do whatever it takes to to move the ball. Now the question is, can they just start that start the game with that type of urgency, with that type of mentality? We'll see, but. Uh, it it seems like it takes some while to warm up. Cheeseball Ten says, Jeff, what is there to blame on Big Press's early struggles? As much as things change from college to the NFL, punter is probably the one position that changes the least. Should we expect improvement over the coming years? 
yeah, absolutely you should expect improvement, especially in consistency. Uh, I was shocked. You know, when you think about Presley Harvin, uh, he talked about this in the preseason and throughout training camp that, yes, punting is punting, but at the same time, there's a lot more responsibilities in the NFL. He wasn't a full-time holder at Georgia Tech, and so now he's having to do all that, and it's a lot for a young player, and there's a lot of pressure. Uh, Punters, there's a lot of pressure with that job. It's just like place kicker. You're not called out there every single snap. If you make a mistake, it's noticeable. And sometimes it takes a while to kind of get used to that and get acclimated. I think absolutely you can expect some improvement in the coming years. Kyle asks, do you think that Aaron Rodgers, do you think the Aaron Rodgers trade to the Steelers rumor could even remotely be possible? If so, do you think he could fit in? So, I used to always say that, no, there's no way these trades could ever happen. And then they traded for Minka Fitzpatrick. And so when that happened, to me, it it changed everything. It changed everything with the way that I view the Steelers and their aggressive nature, what used to be a non-existent aggressive nature, by the way. And so when I look at this, I'm thinking, who am I to say that they wouldn't try to make a trade with Aaron Rodgers? And who knows what Green Bay would want for Aaron Rodgers. Let's not forget when Jordan Love had a chance to play this season, he did not play well. And so the Packers might look at this and say, well, we need Aaron Rodgers back. And so if we're going to get rid of him, it's going to be a premium price. We're talking multiple first rounders, in which case I don't think the Steelers would ever do that. If they were somehow to get Aaron Rodgers, would he fit in? I think absolutely he'd fit in. Why? He's a really good quarterback. That's why. And you can never have too many really good quarterbacks. And boy, I mean, it was, you say what you want about Aaron Rodgers off the field. He's a tremendous talent. You can't watch him play the game of football and ever say, oh yeah, Aaron Rodgers stinks. No, he doesn't. You might hate him for whatever reason, but he doesn't stink. He's a really good quarterback. All right. Next question. David asks, being a fellow golfer, Nice. What Steelers, past or present, would you want in your foursome? All right, David. So I've had a a couple people ask me similar questions. So I'm looking at, okay, I'd love to have Ben Roethlisberger in there. I know he's a good golfer. I know he loves golf. And so I think that would be great to golf with Ben. I would put Terry Bradshaw in there too. Why? Because I'd love to hear some stories. And I'd also love to see those two compete because I guarantee you they're going to compete with whatever they do. If I have to round out the foursome, I'm looking for someone that I would just want to enjoy being around. And so I'd probably have the bus. I'd probably drone bet as another golfer. Uh, would be able to tell some great stories. Uh, clearly, he and Ben have a good relationship. I think that would be a great time playing with those three dudes. A little bit of the old, a little bit of the new. Brittany Shaw asks, what's your favorite Steelers memory with your kids? Mine was this weekend and seeing my seven-year-old daughter jump up and down and being genuinely super excited and telling me she wants to go to Heinz Field. That's a cool memory. Uh, My favorite memory is actually my son. Uh, He was born in 2000 in November of 2008, and that was obviously the year that the Steelers won Super Bowl 43. And I'll never forget, he's just a few months old. And when the Steelers won, I was so excited. My brother and his wife and a couple friends were over at our little uh, condo. Um, At that time, I went in and got him out of the crib and wrapped a terrible towel around him. And we celebrated and we took pictures and stuff. It was a, that was a really cool memory. Um, Now, I think it's just like seeing my kids showing an interest 
They're not super interested in the game. They're learning about the game still. My kids are, some of them are still really young, but they wear their jerseys on game day. They cheer for the black and gold. And the fact they do it, even though if it's just because their dad likes it, that's fine for me. Good question, though. Thomas asks, why do you think, what do you, who do you think is currently cornerback three on the team since apparently James Pierre has been relegated and Justin Lane slash Akella Witherspoon saw significant playing time on Sunday. I think that right now, cornerback three is probably James Pierre. Um, when you think about that, I would assume Akella Witherspoon with the way that he played last week will get the start outside opposite Cam Sutton. And then you would have Arthur Millette in the nickel. And I would assume that you would have James Pierre slash Justin Lane in the dime. And that's just how they're going to roll until something doesn't work out. Ryan Clark has is not the Ryan Clark, a different Ryan Clark. As inconsistent as the Vikings are, they have a great run game, even if Cook is out, and a great receiving core. Is the plan for Thursday's game to put enough pressure on Cousins to force him into mistakes, or is there a better way to handle the offense? You gotta stop the run, number one. Like that's the most important thing. If you don't stop it, slow it down, force him into third and longs. I know what you're probably thinking, Jeff. Third and longs, the Ravens just abused it. I know. But at the same time, I don't think Kirk Cousins is the same type of weapon and threat that Lamar Jackson is. Uh, It's not going to be an easy task on a short week, but that's how I would approach it. Okay, uh, someone asks, uh, I don't even know what that is. How do we stop Jay Jefferson this week? Hashtag Ryder Die Crew. Thank you very much. So uh, for me, I think, uh, like I said earlier, he's not a player you can stop or take out of the game. Everyone always says, you got to take him out. You got to take him out of the game. The the thing is, is that you can't, you can't always do that. So you have to limit it It, without Thielen that they're going to, they're going to be able to bracket him on that side. Most likely Uh, you got to get to cousins. That's the biggest thing with any receiver. Talk about any receiver. You get to the quarterback. They don't have time to throw. You don't have to worry or talk about that receiver. So good question. Lori, Long-time listener says the refs, Jeff, the freaking refs. What can the NFL do to fix this incompetence? It's not only Steelers games I'm talking about. It's across the whole league. Have they been getting worse in the past years, or is it just my imagination? Hashtag ride or die crew. So first thing is that I do think the officiating has gotten worse. And yes, it is across the league. I don't think that the rules are helping the officials much at all. For instance, when they did that the pass interference was a challengeable call. Like that you're setting the refs up to just get absolutely murdered. Also, you know, you talk about the taunting rule. And there's plays that they're probably thinking, I'm not gonna throw this flag, but the NFL's the league office is telling me I should throw this flag on TJ Watt because he's looking at this player and he's doing this, and they have to throw the flag and they're gonna get scrutinized for it. But nonetheless, I don't think the NFL helps out the officials. A lot of people say, well, they need to be full time. Most of them are now. And I think that's a thing in the past for a lot of the, the – the, there might be some that still do have day jobs, but I think the majority of the head officials are full-time employees by the NFL. But, yes, it's getting worse, Lori. It is getting worse. And the last question, which actually isn't one, from Britsburg, Owen David. He said, I have no question. I just want to say thank you. With how things are at the moment for me, BTSC gives me something to look forward to each day and keeps me going. Thank you, Jeff, and all the BTSC family. Hashtag Ride or die crew, hashtag BTSC family. So, Owen, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I've probably said it a bunch of times that my goal has always been, and I I first said this when everything was kind of shut down uh, due to COVID-19 and things of that nature, um, that if for 30 minutes or 40 minutes, as they seem to be anymore, if for the next 30 to 40 minutes you can kind of go on a little journey with me, 
And whether you're driving in your car, walking in the park, on a treadmill, sitting at home, doesn't matter what you're doing. But if you're listening to this and and if you're on that little mental journey, thinking about the Steelers, laughing at some of the stupid jokes I tell, um, then I'm doing my job. If you can say that any of us at the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts or on our website can do that for you, if we can be a little distraction for you at a really tough time, then we've done our job. So thank you for the compliment. I appreciate that. That means that we're doing something right, and that means a lot to me. All right, so when we come back in the second segment, uh, Michael Beck is going to join me, Blue Check Beck. So get ready, folks. Buckle up, baby. It's going to be crazy, sort of. We'll be right back after this break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it's the second half. It's Wednesday. It's not even Friday. This is so weird. I hate these stupid Thursdays and Mondays. Why can't every game be on Sunday? I don't know. But anyways, Blue Check back is joining me, as he always does, to talk about the upcoming game. Michael, what's going on? Oh, not too much, Jeff. Just uh, looking forward to hopefully uh, the Steelers stacking some W's. So uh, I'm going to try to enjoy the Thursday nighter. <laughs> now, I got to be honest. What was your prediction last week? Oh, I had the Ravens kicking the snot out of the Steelers, um, and that's not what happened. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I think it was like 34 to 17, maybe was yeah. your prediction, if I recall. And so <laughs> I got to be honest, on Tuesday morning, I tuned into the live mic. I'm driving to work. I'm like, okay, he's going to pay his penance. He's going to say, I was wrong. You know, it, it reminds me of the Happy Gilmore uh, scene where he's talking with Chubbs, and he's like, I'm stupid, you're smart. I was waiting for that type of thing. I got nothing, nothing. Didn't even acknowledge the fact that you were so off. Then to make matters worse, the noon show cutting room floor, which Jeffrey Benedict releases at noon. And he's calling for fans to find you on social media and heckle you. I just hope you know you're aware of that. But Michael, this (laughs) is your chance. Like what in the heck happened that (laughs) the Steelers, in your opinion, were going to lose 34 to 17 and end up winning 20 to 19 in dramatic fashion. So what was the change? What happened? in the game that you weren't expecting that you'd predicted such a lopsided win for the Ravens? Well, when we recorded, uh, we still thought TJ Watt was potentially missing that game with the, the COVID. Uh, That's true. That uh, is list. true. And he went off to have an outstanding game. Uh, one of the better defensive performances we've seen in some time. Uh, from that, I, I guess I, I wish I could have dialed it back a little bit. I wouldn't have predicted a blowout, but I probably still would have thought Baltimore was going to win going into it. But uh, T.J. Watt has been the Steelers' best player this year, uh, as he has been for a couple of years now. Um, his impact is huge. And, and this is exactly why there's conversation about, like, hey, should he be in the MVP like hunt now? Uh, and that's exactly why the live mic focused on him in that race, because of how good he's been and uh, his impact on this team. So I think that was the, the big factor in why I thought uh, Baltimore was going to have a big day. Uh, T.J. comes in and uh, definitely uh, proved me wrong. And, yes, 
I was an idiot. I chose the wrong side. <laughs> <laughs> so my next question, without getting into a game pick for week 14, when the Steelers play the Vikings on Thursday night football in Minnesota, is this just a flash in the pan? Or I think as Keith Butler called it farts in a skillet or something like that at one point, <laughs> is this just like a one and done thing? Cause it's a rivalry game. It's at home. Or do you think this is a win that could really kind of propel the Steelers and have them seeing like, wow, like, Maybe they turn the corner. We never thought that was a possibility, but in your opinion, can a win like that against Baltimore, arch rival, have that kind of staying power? It's tough to predict that just because these Steelers-Raven games are always one-point affairs. So from that sense, it's kind of hard to say whether or not this will be the stepping stone. But the fact that the Steelers got out of that game relatively healthy uh, and they uh, put together what exactly what they did on tape I think they can, um, especially if they go into Minnesota and win this game on Thursday night. I, I think the combo of uh, beating uh, Baltimore and then perhaps doing it again in Minneapolis, that would be the defining moment of this year and exactly the kind of momentum that you're looking for uh, as you head into the playoff push. So I, I think it's a, more of a combo of uh, the game to come uh, combined with what they did to Baltimore to really kind of push the Steelers into uh, that kind of momentum that I mentioned earlier uh, into a, a big push as we get into the end of the year here. But just because of all these matchups they've had in the past, it's hard to say um, whether or not the, the one game against Baltimore will completely turn the tide, but it definitely helps. No, you're right. And and so when you think about that last week's game, and what does it suck that, that we, we as fans can't even really enjoy it for a full week because now all of a sudden they're getting ready to play another game. But and that's the NFL schedule. So I think about some of these players that had big contributions, not expected contributions, two in particular, John LeGlue, and I think it's Mar- Marcavius. No, how do you say Adam's first name? Do you know? <laughs> I don't even no, know. You asked the wrong guy. <laughs> Adams. Yeah, we'll go Adam. with Adams. Okay. So <laughs> my question for you is who has more staying power on this roster, Adams or LeGlue? I have to go with LeGlue because at some point, well, next year, you'll have two in Alualu again, and that's just going to push everyone back down the lineup. Uh, Isaiah Loudermilk was a, a fairly high draft pick, so there's a there's a bunch of guys on the Steelers' D-line, and I should also mention Chris Wormley, who had a great game. Uh, there's guys that will push him down the lineup as they get healthier and uh, the regular bodies uh, get back on the field. So from that sense, I would say LeGlue, especially because the offensive line has struggled. Uh, as much as they had this year. But LeGlue, what a game from him. He stepped up, and he was better than Hassenhauer was in replacement. He's better than Finney was. He played great at that left guard spot. Like, as long as Kevin Dotson's out, I think LeGlue's earned the opportunity to be the starter at that left guard spot. And this is a guy that's never had this opportunity before. He's just playing out of his mind. It, it's amazing what you can find uh, when you just uh, give somebody a shot. And that's exactly what this guy did. And he's played great, and I think he's going to have some opportunities to, to stick around in the NFL, uh, especially with the state of the Steelers' offense line where it is. And uh, perhaps uh, Kevin Dotson could slip over to his more natural right guard spot if Blue really is this good. Well, and it goes to show that you know he's not a rookie. People have never heard of LeGlue unless they pay attention to the Steelers and training camp and things like that. But he, he I think it's his third year in the league. He's bounced around a little bit. The Steelers kept him because of position versatility. He can play all the interior spots. I think he might even be able to play tackle, to be honest with you. Um, that, that, Hey, that has value. But it's going to be really interesting to see how these players, you know, was this just a, well, 
the Ravens had no idea who John LeGlue was. They had no film on him. They couldn't practice for him. They couldn't prepare for him. I don't know. But I want to bring up another player, another player that really just popped off the screen, and I certainly was not expecting this, and that's Akella Witherspoon. <laughs> yep. I, I, I said this on my show before. I mean, when, when the Steelers got him in a trade, I talked to the 49ers because they drafted him, and then they were the ones that let him go to Seattle in division. And, and I talked to the people from the, the Seahawks website. These are websites, not the actual organizations. They all said the same thing, super inconsistent. Do you think the Steelers and Terrell Austin in the secondary, if they can, according to Keith Butler, who spoke to the media on Tuesday, he said that he had to learn the playbook. And then, it, you know, it got to the point where they're like, we need a little sense of urgency here. And he went out and made some plays. What were your thoughts on Akella Witherspoon? He had a really good game. Uh, we cannot discredit what he was able to do. He earned the starting spot, which kind of blows my mind for how uh, consistently he's been a healthy scratch throughout the season. But with Hayden Hurt and James Pierce struggling a lot this year, uh, talk about two guys, one's trending upwards and the other trending downwards uh, from uh, from this offseason. But uh, Witherspoon, he had a great game, uh, and he, he should get some credit for this. Uh, I think he's obviously kind of earned the opportunity to continue to get these uh, high-volume snaps until Hayden gets back in the lineup. But uh, it, it's good to get something back for a guy that cost the Steelers a pretty uh, – decent draft pick so at least at the end of the day they can hang around getting at least one good game out of a guy hopefully he can continue this but uh yeah no uh witherspoon he is throughout his whole career like you said consistency is the key he needs to be able to stack a couple games together here and hopefully uh he can do that against minnesota because hayden's been missing practice time uh, the time we're recording this i don't know if he's going to play again so uh witherspoon needs another big performance uh, to help this defense out I mean, how nice would it be if Witherspoon turns out to be another outside corner that even when Hayden comes back, which I do expect him to come back this season, that you could maybe even move Sutton into the slot or inside if they feel that he's more valuable there. It gives them options, so that's good. One more player I want to talk with you about before we start talking about the Vikings, and that is Benny Snell football. And yeah. that is because he only got two carries. I think he had 15 yards Maybe I think he had eight and five. So maybe it was more like 13, but still he ran the ball hard. What are your thoughts on Benny Snell as a potential guy that can come in and actually spell Najee Harris that the Steelers don't have to put that entire workload on the back of the rookie. Those two carries were huge. Um, he was able to step in and like push the pile both times. So was, I think that's really what Mike Tomlin's always kind of expected from him uh, to be able to do uh, throughout his entire uh, tenure since he's been drafted. Uh, to step on the field, push the push the piles, and he hasn't really done it uh, for a couple of years now. But he steps in against Baltimore, and he's able to do that. It's exciting. Perhaps we have someone that can get on the field because we know McFarland now continuously is being healthy. Scratch that was someone we thought would be the change of pace guy. D to be honest, I don't know if they have the the true change of pace, but Snell was able to show something in that game. So at, at the very least, they were able to get the performance out of him to be able to step on the field, spell Najee Harris. Hopefully this can continue as the weeks go on. Like we know those two carries came late in the fourth quarter, but um, maybe he, he'll, he's a guy that could step on and do it throughout the game a little more consistently. Maybe see more than just two carries and let uh, Najee Harris get a, a bit of a break. So that was a, a pretty, a, a pretty, I don't know, a really good performance from Snell to be able to do that. Hopefully he can build on it. 
Yeah, I agree with you. It was good to see Benny Snell actually, you know, not just get time because he's had some carries already this season, but to actually perform and, and to actually get some type of production for the Steelers offense. Let's look at the Minnesota Vikings that people want to complain about the Steelers injury situation. Uh, the, the Minnesota, they're banged up as well. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It doesn't look Dalvin cook is not expected to play. Adam Thielen is not expected to play. Is there any other big names that fans should notice that are not going to be in the lineup? I did see that in the projected estimated injury report that, um, Rookie tackle. Oh, goodness gracious. I forgot his name. Um, and I'll shoot. Come on, Michael, help me out here. Who's the rookie from uh, <laughs> he was the pick before the Steelers pick? Oh, yeah. man. Um, from Northwestern, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll it, think it of it. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't Slater. Ugh. No, but go ahead. And so, is there anyone else that's out that you have heard of that uh, the Steelers fan base should be aware of that in terms of, you know, you're looking at potential matchups and things like that? Yeah, well, wasn't Everson Griffin uh, going through his like thing where he's like away from the team, something like that? Yes. Uh, yes. But aside from that, I don't really think there's anything too too crazy that we don't already know about. Of course, not having Thielen or Cook is huge. Uh, like the Vikings have some decent backup running backs. Of course, they still have Justin Jefferson, but without having like those two of their like big three on offense. This is, and not to play spoiler alert, but uh, this is a big factor why I'm really leaning on the Steelers here. This Vikings offense is going to be beat up in a short week, and the Steelers, of course, escaped that Ravens game pretty healthy. So the Steelers are sitting pretty uh, going into this one, as opposed to the Vikings, who are kind of limping their way in a Thursday night. Christian Derrissaw is the name. There it is. There it is. Nailed it. So yeah, <laughs> on Monday, uh, Dalvin Cook and you know Dalvin Cook didn't practice. Thielen didn't practice. Darisaw with an ankle didn't practice. Anthony Barr was limited, uh, and then they didn't actually practice. But still, this is kind of like a, a you know an estimation, as they call it. Uh, Anthony Barr, like I said, was limited. Eric Kendricks was limited. Mackenzie Alexander was full, but is dealing with ribs. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. How would you expect if you were the Steelers? How do you try to slow down the combination that is Cousins and Jefferson? Oh, since Thielen is out, that should make the well, is expected to be out. It's a high yeah, ankle right. sprain. I, I highly doubt that he plays through that Agreed. on a short week. But uh, with him out, like you're going to be able to uh, bracket cover uh, uh, Justin Jefferson. Uh, you shift multiple guys to him. There's no reason not to. And uh, without the other big target on the other side, it, it's, it makes it extremely easier to do exactly that. Heck, you could have Minka Fitzpatrick play over the top on, on that guy um, with insert corner here, uh, just following him around the field. Uh, if, if you're able to do that and completely limit their big playoff receiver and just force them to beat you with their other guys, that's kind of like the old New England playbook when they took on the Steelers. They, they double teamed Antonio Brown and said, all right, beat us uh, in other ways. And, with uh, without the talent the Vikings typically have on offense, that that's the way I'd go about it, and then uh, send the heat. Uh, if uh, if plays last five seconds before uh, Kirk Cousins has to throw the ball, perhaps Jefferson can still get open. He's one of the best receivers in football. But uh, with T.J. Watt hunting quarterbacks the way he's been doing in recent weeks, uh, I don't know how possible that's going to be. So uh, you, you got to double team the guy, especially with the 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 availability of the Vikings offense and then send the heat. Uh, I think uh, the recipes right in front of the Steelers. Now it's just about to actually putting the ingredients together. There you go. I like it. Well, let's do some NFL picks. We're not going to do the entire slate of games. It's just really far away for us to actually look into 
the nitty gritty of all those games. We are going to talk about some key games that might have some interest in the Steelers and the AFC playoff picture. None bigger than the Baltimore Ravens and Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. This is a weird schedule for Cleveland. They played the, the Ravens on Sunday night football. They had a bye week and then they host the Ravens coming off the bye. Uh, I can't remember a, a slate like this for uh, the division, but still Baltimore Ravens are, are actually uh, getting two and a half points on the road here. This is surprising for me. Uh, Sunday, one o'clock game. Michael, what do you think about this one? This one, I feel like this might come down to another one point game uh, just based on like how these teams are kind of trending Cleveland coming off a bye. Uh, I don't think Baltimore is playing good football and I haven't been a believer in them like really all year long. Uh, but again, the Browns are coming off the bye. They've, they've already game planned the Ravens for a week. And now they got another two weeks of that after that with it, without anything interrupted. Really, everything should be in their favor. I still like the Ravens plus two and a half. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the Browns won this game. I squeaked out another tight one. Uh, but uh, I'm taking the Ravens with the points, even though it's limited. But I think Cleveland might end up winning this game. I think Cleveland wins the game. You think about the injuries for the Ravens and I believe someone on our live chat in the post game show said that Tony Dungy said that the Ravens are the 2020 Steelers and that is that they had some tremendous breaks go their way they're finding ways to win games that they had no business winning and eventually it just kind of always catches up with you I feel like it's catching up with the Ravens at this point Marlon Humphrey's done for the year with the torn pack their secondary is already in shambles and the Browns like you said they should be getting healthy They've already game planned for them before the bye. They continue to game plan for them. The Ravens are very successful. I think that the Cleveland Browns win this and cover the spread. It's not going to be a blowout, but I could see the Cleveland Browns going or hosting the Ravens and winning the game. Baltimore would drop to eight and five. That would put them right back in the middle of the thick. Boy, the division will just be crazy upside down if that happens, but we'll see. That's going to be a fun game to watch. Next go, let's go to the other division game. That's the Cincinnati Bengals. This is a 425 kick, and they host the San Francisco 49ers. I honestly don't know a ton about San Fran. They're a West Coast team. You don't get to see them much. NFC, obviously. But still, the Bengals are reeling. They lost to the Chargers at home, and I actually predicted that because I said, you beat, you blow the doors off the Steelers. They're going to trip and fall. The question is, do they beat the San Francisco 49ers? San Francisco is only getting one point here on the road. Michael, what do you think about this one? Uh, being a West Coast guy, I get to see the Niners a lot. So uh, I can't say they're kind of like Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, you don't really know what you're going to get from them on any given week. They're, they're either the juggernaut or a bottom feeder. It's really weird watching the Niners play. But I think the big factor in this one is Joe Burrow's hand. He, uh, after getting it, what, his pinky finger, I believe, yeah. smashed up on his throwing hand, he, he looked, he didn't look good at all. And I don't know how quickly that thing's going to heal. Uh, I, I think the, the Niners take this game, which again, if the Browns win and the Bengals win and say the Steelers win on Thursday, whoo, what a mess this division yep. will be. And like, literally it will come down to week 18. I guess it is now. It, it is going to be crazy. I think the Cincinnati Bengals find a way to win this game. Uh, th that just seems to be the way that they trend. Although they did lose two, I believe when everyone said they were the best team in the AFC leading into their bye week. So it is possible that San Francisco comes in and win this, wins this game. If it was at one o'clock, I'd take, Cincinnati easy, but it's a 425 that makes it a little bit easier for the West Coast team. But I think Cincinnati wins the game. Uh, another game to keep an eye on that has AFC playoff implications would be the Las Vegas Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a one o'clock game in Arrowhead. Kansas City seems to have right the right of the ship. 
Las Vegas continues to struggle. Michael, what do you think about this one? Vegas is coming off a loss, I believe, to the Washington football team. Kansas City beat the uh, Denver Broncos on Sunday Night Football. Vegas is also... Vegas is getting nine and a half. I forgot to say the spread. Vegas is getting nine and a half. Right, right. Now, Vegas, which is interesting as well, like you mentioned the 2020 Steelers, the Vegas Raiders were kind of like that to a degree as well. They got off the hot start, and now they just continue to lose, and it seems like things are getting worse for them as each week passes. And Kansas City's getting hot. I like the Chiefs minus nine and a half. Uh, Hopefully they start to cool off before uh, they take on the Steelers, but uh, I I still like the Chiefs by that big margin in this one. Uh, And really, uh, you kind of, in a sense, you kind of have to hope for uh, the Raiders to continue to lose because they do have that tiebreaker over the Steelers uh, with that early season win. So uh, in that sense, uh, maybe uh, maybe I will end up cheering for Kansas City, but I do believe they're going to win, and I think they're going to bust that spread wide open. I think that you take the Chiefs. Uh, the spread, I'm actually probably going to keep it. Uh, I'd probably take Vegas getting the points, but I think Kansas City is going to win it straight up. Uh, you do hope that the Kansas City Chiefs win this one. It may sound weird for some Steeler fans, but you want the Raiders to be behind the Steelers because of the head-to-head win and tiebreakers and things like that. Okay, let's get to the game everyone cares about. That's the Pittsburgh Steelers, Thursday Night Football. They are getting three and a half points on the road here. Michael, before we went on the air, you said you were surprised that Minnesota was even the favorite here. Uh, What do you think about this game? How do you see it playing out? What's your score prediction? Now, uh, to a degree, I I was thinking about it while we've uh, been recording here, and I believe the home team on Thursday Night Football wins this absurd amount of the time, uh, something like 80%. I believe the stat is, uh, without having looked it up, uh, I'm pretty sure it still sits – in a pretty heavy favor for the home team. However, like we talked about, Minnesota is limping into this game. Uh, Thursday night football, you keep your playbook pretty uh, pretty limited, especially because of the lack of practice. You typically get one practice and a walkthrough on those Thursday night games. So uh, with the limited offense, a limited playbook, I just can't see Minnesota popping off, uh, having an explosive affair. I like the Steelers in this one. I, I would like them at, even uh, if they were the, the road favorite, uh, let alone getting points. I think the Steelers go into Minnesota, win this game to the tune of 27 to 14. Uh, I, I think this team uh, is kind of playing good football right now after a couple weeks of uh, struggling. Uh, I think Tomlin's got them on the right step and Minnesota's coming off a backbreaking loss to the Detroit Lions and they're beat up. I, I just think all the factors are, are leaning towards the Steelers in this one. And thankfully they don't have to travel far in a short week. So I like the Steelers for a variety of reasons uh, to uh, obviously win the game. And of course, being uh, the underdog, uh, cover the spread, no problem. So I agree with you. I do like Pittsburgh in this spot. Uh, it, it was Jerry Dulac, our buddy Jerry Bear from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, who put out this tweet. In his past three Thursday night starts, Ben Roethlisberger has 12 touchdowns and no interceptions in a 142.0 passer rating. I mean, think about that. In his last three Thursday night starts. Now, most of those have been on the road. Uh, I'm sorry, been at home. I'm sorry, big snafu there. But I, I like Ben Roethlisberger and the way that he's playing. I know he had a crap game in week 12 against Cincinnati, but he really played well last week. I hope that that would kind of be like the the jump start, maybe to, to have them have a good game. This is a game where I think that you have to just protect the football. Don't give it away. That that's the biggest thing. Just do not give the ball away. Do not give the game away with turnovers. If they can keep the ball 
from going to the Minnesota Vikings and they can even establish some semblance of a running game. Look at Najee Harris's numbers against the Ravens. They were not gaudy, but they were good enough. If they can do that, stay balanced. I think the Steelers win this game. I have the Steelers winning 24 to 20. Clearly they're getting three and a half. So take the Steelers getting the points, take them on the money line. And I think it'll be just fine. So we both take the Steelers. This is scary. This is really scary. But Michael, <laughs> do you have any final thoughts for the listeners out there before I let you go? Um, maybe I should quickly change my prediction for uh, for Vikings <laughs> blowout. It, it seems like when I pick the Steelers to lose, they win. Uh, so maybe I should keep that in mind uh, as we move forward here. But <laughs> seriously, uh, um, hey, as long as they keep winning, uh, no, this is uh, this is going to be a huge stretch for this team. If they can beat Minnesota, they're probably only two wins out of a, a true playoff spot by the end of the year with uh, both the Browns and Ravens coming up. They still have a chance to win the division. Uh, it's going to be a fun uh, end uh, t- of the season. Of course, they got the Titans, uh, one of the best teams in the AFC. They got the Chiefs, one of the best teams in the AFC. Still, the Ravens leading leading the division in Baltimore. This is going to be a, a pretty wild uh, run here. Could the Steelers get hot? You'd love to see it, uh, but they will be tested, and they're going to have to play some great football. This is probably the easiest, and I hate using that word, but like, like easiest opponent left on the schedule. Um, so hopefully the Steelers can take advantage of that, but uh, this is going to be a big one. You win this game and you're set up and you're sitting fairly pretty if you want to uh, go on a playoff run. So this is a big, big, big week for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it's really going to continue to be that uh, as the weeks pass by, but winning this week uh, would be huge and set them up for some future success. Absolutely. Well, as always, Michael, thank you for the time. We will talk to you next Friday. Get a little extended break, a little mini buy. And uh, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure, Jeff. We'll talk to you then. All right, see you. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, want to thank Michael Beck, as always, for joining me on this Wednesday. It's usually Friday, but we're gearing up for the game. I want to remind everyone to make sure you check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for all your Pittsburgh Steelers needs. That's everything you need leading up to the game, post-game stuff, everything. Um, I will not be on the post-game show. It's a late game, so I will be getting my Let's Ride ready for Friday morning, so make sure you check me out on Friday at about 9 a.m. with some winners and losers. I'm excited for this one, folks. If they can win this game, boy, the Steelers will be setting themselves up. I'll tell you that right now. We got a lot to get through. I thank you for spending some time with me. Make sure you check out the Stat Geek with Dave Schofield tomorrow morning and all our other podcasts. Wherever you get your podcasts, search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain. Subscribe, follow, whatever you have to do. And then also BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for all things Steelers. As we always finish it out here, folks, be safe, be kind, and God bless. Go Steelers.